Mark 1. Conversations at the speed of sound. Hello and welcome to this episode of Mac 1, the podcast of the Queensland Air Museum Caloundra. My name is Gary Hills, I am a QAM volunteer and I will be your host for this restoration update episode. It's time to hear an update on our full-scale Supermarine Spitfire Mark I representation, Canine 787. You're going to hear from Andrew Johns, who's the restoration project manager on the Spitfire, and uh, a lot has been done in the last 12 months, let me tell you. And then you're going to hear from Steve Sherritt, who works on the DC-3 restoration team. Our beautiful DC-3 ANR is getting very close to being ready to open to the public and it's very exciting to see how much progress has been made there on the DC-3. So you're going to hear from each of those. So first of all, I uh, spoke to Andrew Johns in the workshop hangar and I asked him to just tell us how things are going. G'day Andrew. G'day Gary, how are you? I'm good, thank you. And I think since I spoke to you last, you've actually retired from uh, the police force, is that right? Yes, that's right, yeah, uh, after 40 years. And congratulations on that, and, and uh, you now have a little more time perhaps to commit to the Spitfire, is that right? I wish I had time, I've never been, never been busier. Yes. So I hear people say, well look, uh, we're standing here today in the uh, workshop area where the Spitfire representation is uh, currently being worked on. Why don't you give us an update? Um, a lot's been happening here. The thing looks so different than it did the last time we, we, you know, we had a proper look at it. What, what are the key things that you've achieved in the last few months? Well, the main uh, so far is the forward uh, 50% of the fuselage. We stripped it right out uh, some time ago. Uh, a lot of the uh, original timber work, formwork was rotten, it was rough, uh, it was buckled and it's all been removed. Last week I removed the, uh, sex, the all this, that uh, bad form out of the nose section. Uh, from frame, about frame 13 forward, uh, I've tried to, rep or working on representing the uh, framework in a form ply uh, fashion, but it'll be representative of what the aircraft actually looked like when it was built, not uh, the way it was before. So when you sit in, the, when you look in the cockpit when it's finished, you'll see where the frames are positioned, you'll see where everything, and that is how it would have looked in the day, March to May 1939, and any other Spitfire afterwards that was, uh, that was um, built and flown. Okay, now as opposed to what we had before, which was Vic Weston who manufactured this in his, in his own property, you know, and he used whatever materials he had to hand That's right. and did a great job, yeah, but, yeah. but clearly what he came up with was not uh, accurate, is that what you're saying? Uh, dimensionally, yes, it was very close. Uh, the problem we had was that uh, it's the longevity of the, of the representation as a display piece. Mm. Uh, it it suffered many years of neglect out the back here. Uh, it was unceremoniously cut, uh, had a third cut off it to go into a container and uh, we've been in the process of rebuilding. But to rebuild it, we've had to go right back to bare bones and start again. So what I've actually done this time to replace uh, Vic's work, uh, we replaced it with form ply, yep. which uh, once it's finished and painted and everything, will give it. Uh, will help to provide some structural integrity to the to the actual uh, the paneling or the fuselage skin that'll go over it. 
Uh, part of the uh, structure we're going to is a representation of the uh, longer on. We're using a 40 by 40 box tube steel, and that's got to run nose to tail to provide some sort of longitudinal strength. Mm -hmm. We've put some more rigidity into this fuselage tail now that I've got the skin off this morning and I can have a decent look at it. Uh, so the whole idea will be that the, the bulkheads that are on the forward section of the aircraft, or the frame, the representation, will also be repeated to the tail, and then that will then be all married up, all tied together. Once it's all tied together, boxed together with uh, additional welding and things like that, it should start to provide an, uh, a structural integrity mm. to the frame. Mm. Uh, long term uh, plan, or at this stage it's only very much an idea, is to uh, instead of reskinning it in metal uh, like it was, is to use a three ply with a fiberglass skin over the top. So the reason you, you would shape the uh, for the ply to fit, glass it over, provides two things. One provides a watertight mm. a watertight skin. No water can get in as has right. had been the case with the yeah, previous skin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, secondly, it also tying the skin in with the frame will provide further structural integrity, which was an integral part of the original build of the Spitfire anyway. You've got a twofold purpose, haven't you? You're trying to restore this so that it looks like it would have originally. Yes. So that not even just on first glance, but even with a close look, it looks authentic. But then the second thing you're trying to achieve is, uh, as you say, longevity and safety so that people who sit in the cockpit, uh, you know, you know the thing's not going to collapse or move around. That, that's exactly right. And that's the whole reason why we're going back to uh, the, the bare frame. Mm. Uh, and if people come in to have a look at it, the, the yellow section of the, of the painted frame that's clearly visible at the moment, that is the original tubular frame that uh, Vic built. We've added some extra steel to it, but we still have a lot of structural integrity to put back into yeah. it. But that's going to start. That will start to happen once we start running the longer ons and we, uh, ex extra braces and welding in the tail and things like that. All the stuff you won't see, but will provide yeah. strength to the frame itself to provide that, uh, that that safe environment where yeah the plan is that uh, visitors can come climb up, haven't sit in a cockpit and have their photo taken, sitting in a, for all intents and purposes, sitting in a Spitfire. And where are you getting your dimensions, your 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 information from, so you know how to cut these these uh, spaces and all the things that you're making? Well, there's about eight, no, sorry, about four of the frames, three or four frames, are, we have reproductions here which I've copied. I've used a little bit of imagination in a few other places. Uh, the cowl that we've got up the front, which is the original cowl that was on the over the engine cowl, I've uh, stripped that out to get the right shape to put the new bulkheads in. But uh, Facebook is a wonderful, wonderful piece of equipment. Uh, I'm very lucky. I've uh, I've researched. I've become uh, on, on numerous Spitfire pages, project pages. I'm mm. following a lot of Spitfires being built at the moment. Mm. And uh, even to the point where uh, I inquired about the undercarriage on the aircraft, of which it seems that no two are the same. <laughs> and uh, But uh, a fellow from France, on my behalf, went to, I think it was RAF Hendon, one of the big museums in England, and asked the question on my behalf. So I thought, here's a, wow. here's a, here's a guy with uh, just a, down in the bottom end of the world in Australia trying his best to do this, and I've got people over there who are mo more than happy. They will give you anything at all, and nothing is a stupid question. OK, you've got a great resource there. I think I've seen, you've, you've even got uh, drawn plans here that you use as well. Yeah, there's some, uh, some basic plans here that the museum's got. Uh, they're not... Uh, not highly detailed, but it's enough in a scale where I can uh, recreate uh, roughly the dimensions. 
At the moment, the uh, all the frames that are in are only roughed in. They're only mocked up at the oh, minute. Okay. But uh, ultimately, when we get all the all the all the uh, bulkheads on the rear half now, then we can start to get our shapes. There, we can start to to uh, refine what we've got. Make sure we get the right shape because the whole idea is that, as you said, Gary, you're quite right. Um, somebody who knows or has a good knowledge of Spitfires. I want them to be able to come in, sit down, have a look at this and go, that's a pretty good effort. That's what I want. And uh, it's uh, it's something that, uh, and I myself, I mean, I, I'm i a perfectionist. It's got to be right. right. And uh, if it's not right, it doesn't go in. Uh, two or three being built down in uh, Scone at the moment or starting to be built. And uh, just a bit of history for the listeners, the, uh, down there at Pays Aviation, mm. they uh, have bought the remains of uh, X4009, which is a Mark 1A Spitfire, flown by Patterson Clarence Hughes, who was killed in action 7th of September 1940. Pat Hughes was an Australian. And they've bought the remains, and the aircraft's got, is parts of it are being built in over in the Isle of Wight at the moment. It's gonna all come to Australia, be built and flown in Australia wow. as, a World War, as a World War II veteran. That so, is a serious enterprise, isn't it? So if uh, I could get anything close to that, I would be a very happy man. Can we just go and have a look at the, the cockpit area here for a yeah, moment? Sure. Um, I see you've already, you know, developed what is this sheet sheet metal uh, frame for the cockpit instrument panel, is that right? Instrument panel, yeah, that one's, uh, I have my own Mark 1A instrument panel at home. Of course you do. <laughs> uh, well, who doesn't? And, uh, anyway, and uh, so what I've done is I've used, used mine as the pattern for this one, so I know that it's accurate. Uh, and uh, with some mock-up instruments, it won't. It'll only contain one or two real instruments. It'll uh, essentially it'll be they'll be mocked up to give the appearance of the real deal. I've uh, actually I don't have it with me here, but I, I've, I've uh, made my a version. Of, of, this is actually a reproduction of a compass tray owned by the museum, but I've reproduced my own, and that'll sit up up just up in there under the in about that area there. Uh, and then the pilot, yeah, and then we'll have uh, spade grips and all that sort of stuff to give it the impression that it's the real deal. With this one, I'm not putting real parts in it because uh, I think the real deal stuff is far too valuable and I would much rather see the real stuff saved for a, good, a better cause in that it's uh, for a real aeroplane as opposed to a mock-up. But ultimately, the seat, we've got to, we'll have a mocked-up seat which was in, in it at the moment. Uh, people, as I said, hop in, sit down, They'll have rudder pedals, you'll have the uh, control column spade grip, we'll have the throttles, we'll have all that sort of stuff all done up, all plumbed up to look like it would have done as if you were sitting in a real in a real cockpit. How many on your team at the moment? Uh, just the two of us. Uh, Frank's away at the moment, he's on holidays, but mm. uh, yeah, just the, the two. But it, at the present time, that's sufficient for what we need okay. because of the work we're doing. Uh, when it comes time to skinning, it might be a little bit different. We might need a few extra hands to do that. New undercarriage to build. Fortunately, the old ones, uh, they, they failed. Uh, one particular, the uh, starboard side actually started to collapse on us. Mm. So it had to come off. We're going to rebuild new ones uh, in accordance with uh, some legs that we've got here we can copy. Okay. And how are the wings? Where are they up to? The last time I looked at them, they were in a very sad state. And they still are. Uh, they're out the side, actually, out in the weather. But uh, ultimately, again, like this one, uh, the wing, once, once we've got the fuselage done and we're back to rolling and it's enough that we could get it out of the way, the wings will come in strip them right down to, to the bare frames and we'll rebuild those as well. And are you thinking fibreglass there too or metal skin? Uh, probably, well, probably similar. But, but what, what we've got to try to achieve though is we've got to try and lighten them somehow because the, the, the weight of the steel, uh, everything mm. is critical to the, the connection where the undercarriage goes because mm. that's what's taken all the strain. 
So we need to be able to, to try and, I mean, the, freight, the fuselage is heavy enough, but to try and lighten the, lighten the yeah. wings up somehow. Again, that's, uh, that's a project or an idea I haven't done much thought on because I've been too busy yes. with this one. Oh, yes, I'm not trying to push you because I know that will be a very big task. Yeah, yeah, it'd be no, probably no bigger than what we're doing here now. Mm. So it's a, it's a full rebuild. Uh, but the state that it's in, that it was in, uh, a full, full rebuild is required. As you can see by the back section here, just like as an example, this is the original bulkhead of one of them. That's chipboard. Oh, yes, and it's, and it's all, all rotten. Yeah, the, the way they got into it has destroyed it. Are you organising a group outing for your club? Maybe a reunion or even a birthday party. Perhaps you're planning an evening event and you're looking for a unique venue. At the Queensland Air Museum, we welcome inquiries from groups to visit the museum between 10am and 4pm and can offer a highly enjoyable experience in aviation history. Tours are conducted by our experienced volunteer guides. Bring your lunch and make a day of it. Hangar 2 at the museum is a unique and welcoming space. 3,000 square metres of sealed floor space, undercover but open on two sides, allowing cooling breezes and ambient light tables and chairs located under the wings of our historic aircraft. After hours, the venue can accommodate up to 200 people with chairs only, or up to 120 people seated at tables. And we have played host to hangar dances, birthday parties, and even opera nights in the hangar. Imagine performing on stage with the oldest DC-3 in Australia as your backdrop. Contact us under bookings on the Queensland Air Museum website or email our tours and events manager at tours at qldair.museum or phone us with your inquiry. The Queensland Air Museum Caloundra, an amazing, welcoming and unique venue for your tour or event. So you're talking about fiberglassing uh, the skin. We don't have fiberglass workers here. How are you planning to do that? Uh, do it myself. <laughs> Just have a go. Well, I've, I've done a little bit of glassing in the past. Not, I'm not by no means qualified experts or anything like that. But uh, YouTube's a wonderful thing. And just ask advice for people who've done it in the past to just get some tips on how to do it. You sound like a brave man to me, but I guess you've got your mould, haven't you? Because you've got the shape of the fuselage with the plywood covering it, yeah. and you're basically matching that with the fiberglass. Exactly. I just got to, but once the fiber, once the uh, form ply, if we do go down, down that track, which I think we will, once the form ply uh, fuselage is completed, then we just basically just lay the uh, the uh, fiberglass uh, over the top and then resin it in and it'll just adhere to the tip and then that's, that'll give you the, the uh, final finish. That's, um, so um, any, look, this is always the million dollar question, um, how, long, how much longer? Can't tell you. Oh, I, I, I'd say to people who come to visit, I say probably a couple of years, about two days a week uh, and with the except, but, but in saying that, once the bulkheads are in place, we're good at it. And once they're all, everything's locked in, it won't take that long to finish the externals of it. Uh, but we've got to do a lot of internal in the cockpit work before we skin it because uh, it'll be easier to access with the skins off than with the skins on, in most cases anyway. So uh, 
that's the green that's the green plant at this stage well look it's still a common question people ask when they come in here do you have a spitfire it, it's certainly still in the public's mind uh, a very important piece of aviation history as indeed it is but it just happens to be well known where some others aren't so it will be wonderful to be able to to have this here so this is k9787 full representation it will look as it did i guess when it was delivered to the raf in 1938 i think yeah that's right yeah yep. well good on you mate and uh I'm, you know you, you you do sound like you're enjoying yourself oh yeah it's good fun yeah yeah, yeah. it's just a matter of applying and just putting a bit of bit of thought into it and working out ways and waking up at one o'clock in the morning oh that's how i'll do that <laughs> so well i was just going to say in terms of retirement you know, something that you're interested in, something that gives you a bit of exercise, something to get you out. Yeah. All those ticks, all boxes are ticked. But it's also an important project. It's something that you can uh, look at proudly when it's done and know that you did that. And the museum will be able to, in perpetuity, uh, take advantage of having it here. So good on you, mate. All the very best. We'll probably check in in 12 months' time and see how you're going. Well, hopefully we'll be a bit closer to finishing. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, mate. And finally, for this episode... I met up with Steve Sherritt at the uh, rear of Hangar 2 in the DC-3 workshop area and asked him to bring us up to date on all of the things that have been going on there over the past few years. How many years would you say this current restoration has been going on, Steve? I think we've been nearly up to five years now. Every week you come in here there's something new to see and it's looking gorgeous. Getting very close, Steve. Yeah, not too far now. We've just got to finish the, the tail and the rudder. That's just having the paint removed, ready for the primer, and then we do the, the finishing of the detail work. From like five years ago, the, the plane, we had to remove all of the paint work and re repair a lot of the missing rivets, and we've done a lot of panel work. So let's go through it. I mean, uh, this paintwork is one thing, but you've actually had to ma manufacture panels. and re so, so tell us what panels you've had to manufacture and replace. Well, first of all, we, we, were, we removed the fuel tank bay doors because we needed to get in and do a lot of um, corrosion maintenance work. We repaired and replaced a lot of the rivets in those panels using ori original rivets, which are pretty, pretty hard to work with nowadays. Um, we, we used um, 800 new nuts and bolts to replace the... That's just for the fuel tank covers? Yeah, just there, yeah. yeah. 800? Yeah. Then there's the engine covers. We made 10 new covers to match the originals. We used those as templates, redrilled them all, replaced those. And on the roof, we, we completely gutted maybe 50% of the roof off to get inside because a lot of the runners and the bearers were badly corroded, so we replaced those. We manufactured new panelling for the roof and replaced that. It seems that water must have, there must have been water ingress just on the top of the fuselage, is yeah, that right? Yeah, a lot, a lot of condensation runs to the top, and that's where a lot of the corrosion was, um, sort of just above the cockpit. And uh, we used, believe it or not, over 3,000 rivets replacing that. So that's 3,000 holes you've got to drill to take the old ones off, 3,000 holes you've got to drill to put the new ones on, and 3,000 rivets you've got to fit in the holes. Plus you actually have to manufacture each panel That's right. from the template from yeah. the old one. Did you do that yourself? Yeah, a lot, a lot of it. There was quite a few of us working on it, okay. probably about six people. Okay. Yeah. Um, then, we, then we got on to the sort of the, the paint work. Um, 
we had a lot of lot of work doing the research on what the paint job is actually supposed to look like. So this is Airlines of New South Wales, yeah. and the reason for that is that when it came to the museum, I believe its most recent livery was Airlines of New South Wales. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's New South, New South Wales livery, and it's got the Viewmaster windows, which were fitted in about 1960. Now so explain that, those to people. Oh, they're just um, longer windows that were fitted so that the, the travelling um, tourists and public get a better view out of the windows, because originally right, so that... it was a DC-3 with only the small windows. Right, so it's for customer comfort in a yeah. commercial airliner. Yeah. Right, and it's got those, so it really needs to be returned to that format. Yeah, yeah. and it was, it was used, I think it was called the Jolly Swagman Tours around New South Wales and Queensland, mm-hmm. about around sort of 1960 time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it's gorgeous, the, the red, white and blue livery is very striking, isn't it? And you've got the Royal Mail uh, logo there as well, because obviously yeah. that was a part of its role. Yeah, Angelo and his team, he did the lettering and, and all of that, which is very important. We have our own graphics shop here and we're able to produce some of the, these things anyway, and he's done a fantastic job. Yeah, it's been a lot of different colour schemes. Started off as a KLM years ago. I think if anyone's interested in the provenance of this aircraft, if they go to our website and click on exhibits, there's a very long and detailed record there of what this aircraft has done. So how about the interior, Steve? What's going on in there? Yeah, well, that's that's not really my department, but there's a few of the guys who are going to be um, restoring the roof. The roof is going to be painted with um, upholstery paint on the inside, and then we're going to give the, the seats and everything a nice look over and a nice clean because we get a lot of dust in there and because we've not sort of been working in there we've only been doing the outside mm-hmm. so you get a lot of dust that's gone through from where we're doing the drilling and things in the roof but the aim will be once it's open to the public um, you can go in there and sit in these seats oh, yeah. and imagine you are actually flying in this and the cockpit is complete also I believe yeah 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 no problem in the cockpit beautiful okay. and, and you'll be able to sit inside and, and look out of the Viewmaster window like the, like the tourists did looking out at Ayers Rock. There's pictures on the website that will show you this aircraft and uh, looking out of the window at Ayers Rock, which is pretty impressive. So what is still remaining? You've got the tail to paint. Uh, what's after that? Yeah, we've got the tail and the rudder, and then we're going on to, we're going to detail the engines a little bit, and, uh, and we're going to repaint the um, propellers. I think they're going to be um, bright, uh, light grey, with uh, yellow tips mm-hmm. with a dark grey hub. And again, you've researched that so you know yeah. that that's authentic. So look, congratulations mate to you and the team for what you're doing here because you're here every week quietly in the, in the corner of Hangar 2 working away, riveting thousands of rivets, <laughs> manufacturing and it gets hot in here and so on. But people walk past, you know, and this is a magnificent display and we're really looking forward to being able to take away some of the barricades when it's open to the public have people come and have a look and maybe put some nice tables and chairs under it or anything and you can have coffee under the wings or something like that. I want to be able to make it nice so people can take nice photographs as well without the clutter but at the minute we've got to have the clutter for safety, you know the safety railings to keep people from wandering out underneath. One of the things I love, whoever thought of this was genius, the stage is mounted on the floor in here just under the nose of A&R and it's, you know, when we have an event like a hangar dance or opera here, you have somebody on stage with this magnificent backdrop, you know, lit up at night 
and now with the new striking colours, it's even more spectacular. Um, so look, well done. Have you enjoyed this kind of job? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. I preferred working on the on the Ventura because we, we were working on that for maybe eight years. It's one of the longest running projects in the museum. That mm. is. But yeah, we, we'd probably be going back on that soon to do the Bombay Doors, which will be exciting. That's about the last thing to do. Yeah, one I think the, table, the navigator's table. Yeah. 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 We must do a story about the Ventura because yeah. that is, as you say, a fantastic story of what volunteers can do and, and you know, a rescue mission of this poor old <laughs> lump of a fuselage that was a chook pen and used for... Yeah pig feed and so on and now it's restored and it's beautiful um, so look Steve um, thank you very much for talking to us today what's your background just by the way I'm a fitter machinist okay. used to work uh, CNC machines in the UK uh, making aircraft parts and things like that filter bodies for Perfect. 747s that sort of stuff but I, I'm into model engineering now mm-hmm. steam engine stuff like that mm-hmm. that's another story <laughs> It is, and I've seen some of your handiwork, and it's brilliant the way you can take a piece of aluminium that you have cut and make it look like an old piece of rusty iron. <laughs> it's just amazing. Well, look, Steve, sorry. Yeah, the beauty of it is when you're doing model engineering, everything's small, so you use everyone else's junk. Their scrap is my treasure, <laughs> yes. eh? Thanks, Steve. It's been great talking to you, and congratulations again. Oh, thanks, Gary. Anytime. Steve was at pains to point out to me after the interview that, you know, he's not the only one working on this aircraft, and of course that's that's uh, that's that's true. He's part of a team. He just happened to be the the poor one who was standing there when I came wandering along with my microphone. You know, Rob Wallace and he are there every day, uh, every every week, and there are many others who have come and gone over the years and uh, have continued to work on that project. Forgive me, gentlemen, for not mentioning you all by name, but thank you to you all on behalf of the Queensland Air Museum and on behalf of all the visitors who come in to you and all of our restoration team. You you do a magnificent job, and often it's in the hot sun or it's it's uh, in the rain it's uh, it's under quite difficult conditions sometimes and you you carry on there week after week and you do little bits at a time and the results are just wonderful none of our airframes are airworthy and that's deliberate that's not part of the plan or the mission of the Queensland Air Museum other museums do that we don't we uh, quite quite uh, deliberately choose to restore these aircraft to uh, a condition where they can be observed and enjoyed by the public but they there is no intention to bring them anywhere near uh, an airworthy condition so but that does not in any way diminish the the loving and um, dedicated commitment of these volunteers who work away week after week on these aircraft. So that's just a quick update on our Spitfire representation and our Douglas DC-3. So that's our episode. Thank you for listening. Lots of things going on at the Queensland Air Museum. We could always use more volunteers. If you're listening and you're handy with tools or you're quite comfortable operating around machinery, you don't have to have an aviation background at all. But if you're a specialist, if you're a tradie and you can weld or you can uh, do fiberglass moulding or painting or even, as I say, just uh, you're comfortable working in a team with tools, we would love to have you join us maybe one or two days a week, depending on what you can do. It's a great opportunity to work on very interesting and uh, worthwhile projects with others who uh, have a similar passion for restoring Australian 
aviation history. Don't forget we're open every day of the week except Easter Friday and Christmas Day from 10am to 4pm, 7 Pathfinder Drive, Caloundra. Come on in sometime and make yourself known to us. We would love to meet you. Bye for now.